The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, guys? So we, as you can tell... Uh, from the title of this episode that we were in fact able to find ourselves a Kansas City Chiefs guest so that we could finish out the AFC West in whole before moving on to our NFC South teams which we will do on Thursday starting with the Carolina Panthers and our friend Rashad Beard from the Panther Nation podcast will be helping us out uh, kicking things off there however after a lots, lots of searching and reaching out and getting no response, and then the one response I got was from a guy who was on vacation. Well, that guy, God bless him, his name was Matt Connor. He's from the Arrowhead Addict, and he just returned from vacation but was able to get me who our guest was for this episode, uh, Jacob uh, Milham, uh, also from Arrowhead uh, Addict. He was able to come on uh, to the show and, and help us out here so that we could finish out uh, AFC West uh, episodes and uh, had a great conversation uh, with him. So we're able to uh, get this done, get the episode out on time, as opposed to whenever I could find a guest, maybe shoehorning them in uh, somewhere. Maybe you guys are hearing my puppies in the background. I'm at, uh, I'm house sitting slash puppy sitting for my dad while he's on vacation. And the dogs are choosing this moment to uh, get rowdy with one another. So if you hear some yiping and some yelping and whatnot, it's those four dummies behind me uh, getting after it right now because they, they waited until they hit record button to all of a sudden awake from their coma and start fighting with each other. But uh, nonetheless, we do have a Chiefs episode uh, to present uh, to you guys. Uh, you know, Jacob, very knowledgeable, even though he's more of a Royals guy this time of year, you know, definitely uh, was able to come in from the bullpen and help us out. Uh, with the Chiefs, and we look forward to having him back for uh, week number three. So let's go ahead and close the book on the AFC West uh, with our Kansas City Chiefs uh, episode. This is our final AFC West opponent preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. out loud and I don't know. So the football gods have smiled upon us, and we were able to find a guest for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that gentleman helped us preview the 2023 Kansas City Chiefs, the a, the defending, uh, I was going to say heavyweight champion, but I, I guess you can call him that, the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs from the Arrowhead Advocates, Jacob Wilhelm. Jacob, thanks so much for coming in last minute, helping us out so we can actually do a Chiefs episode this summer. Of course, Larry. It's uh, it's my pleasure. I'm really ready to sit down, talk, and uh, pick your brain a little bit. I actually have some questions for you. Don't you worry. Awesome. Can't wait. So, I mean, obviously 2022 could not have worked out any better than it uh, than it did. I mean, especially going into 2022. Let's talk about that briefly because with the the trade for Russell Wilson, uh, you know, the adding to Herbert and Carr, 
who just added McDaniels as his head coach and Devontae Adams and, and everything like that. The AFC West was going to be, you know, frankly, the Wild West. Everyone was expecting mm-hmm. you got, you know, four stud quarterbacks, you know, in that division. It's like, you know, the, the, basically it's kind of setting itself up that whoever wins the AFC East is probably not going to have much left in the tank in the playoffs because they're just going to spend the whole season beating the crap out of each other. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, as we found out, the other three teams in the division were disappointments at one level or another. I mean, the the, the Broncos were just an unmitigated disaster. The Chiefs could not get out of their own way. Poor coaching was doing them in, you know, that kind of thing. And then the Chargers were just riddled with injuries. Just one yeah. riddle, you know, just taking out all their top guns. And somehow they still managed a 10-7 and seven season, went to the playoffs, and, and fell victim to one of the more epic comebacks in playoff uh, history. The Chiefs, on the other hand, are pretty much the only team that kind of followed the script. They went through <laughs> Mahomes and company, 14-3, and three, kind of smashed their way you know, through the league and then, you know, ran the table in the AFC West, in the AFC playoffs, meet up with the Eagles, have a crazy Super Bowl and come out on top holding the uh, Lombardi trophy. I mean, I mean, it's, it's just crazy to, to where it was started, what we thought we were going to get. And the only one that kind of followed through with how the season was supposed to go were the Chiefs. Yeah, and it's uh, listen. A lot of things did go the Chiefs' way. I, I ain't gonna lie. Um, a lot of the AFC West opponents really did beat themselves in one way or another. You know, the Nathaniel Hackett experiment in Denver just never had any chance of succeeding. Unfortunately, um, Derek Carr. You know, he had all the the most elite weapon you could get in yeah. the NFL and Devonte Adams. And he still couldn't parlay that into a, a solid postseason appearance even. And then everyone forgets about the, the chargers who actually did have a winning season at 10 and seven because they had a historic epic collapse to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. Like it was, uh, I, I hate to say it, but it was kind of smooth sailing in a, in a sense, like, Look, I know week to week, very nervous, as you should be in the NFL. Sure. But looking over the history of the Chiefs' dominant seven consecutive division titles in the AFC West, they, I think in the last 50 games, which spans back to 2018 against the AFC West, they are 44-6. and six. Right. Okay, that's the, that's the best record of any NFL team ever in that same span against their division foes. Sure. Like it is the, uh, the chiefs dominance over the AFC West is just, I don't think that we're taking enough of it in because we just saw Tom Brady do that in the AFC East. You know, he, he had 11 straight titles there, but yeah, a lot of things went right for the chiefs, but uh, that's last season. I'm looking forward to next season, man. Yeah, I mean, and I would have to say, you know, looking at the at the schedule for the the Chiefs, we found out right away they were going to be just fine without Tyreek Hill when they put a forty burger on the chart or the Cardinals yeah. in their own uh, stadium. Uh, you know, they they win the you know a tight one with the Chargers on Thursday night in Week Two, and then that that crazy like how the hell did this happen? Loss to the Colts. Oh, week yeah. three in Indianapolis. <laughs> I mean, and that was one of those losses that just got worse the further you got away from it because the Colts just ended up being a, a, a disaster of a team, uh, mm-hmm. you know, last year. It's like, Matt, you know, Manny Ice pulled out one, uh, you know, in that uh, one with the, uh, with, the Col- uh, with the with the Chiefs in that game. But outside of that, 
you know, the, then they, they bounce back with that win on Sunday night against the Buccaneers. Uh, you know, they, the, that comeback against the Raiders on Monday night, one of those examples of the Raiders n- not being able to get out of their own way. They had a, they had a, a big lead on you guys and just went ahead and blew it uh, there at the end. The one thing that I found concerning about the, the actual losses, aside from that one from the Colts, which was just kind of like a fluke week three thing, was that the other two losses were to the Bills and the Bengals. And these are two teams that you are most likely going to have to get past in the playoffs yeah. if you want to go back to the Super Bowls, like the Buffalo uh, was a was a tight one, twenty four to twenty. Cincinnati was a tight one as well. But it's like these are the teams you're going to have to beat when it counts, and you came up short in in both instances. Were there, was there any worry going into the playoffs that the teams that you know you were most likely to see in the playoffs you've already lost to? Yeah, there was there's a lot of worry there, Larry, because at the at the end of the day, the Bengals at that point, they had won three straight over the Chiefs. They won, I think, in week 16 yeah. of the 2021 season. And then they beat us to go to the Super Bowl the that same postseason. And right. then they beat us again during the regular season. It was just like, what what is this team doing wrong against the Bengals? Um, I don't know if Chiefs fans were as worried about the Bills mm-hmm. because, like you said, that was a very tight matchup. And there was, I wouldn't say some fluky stuff. You know, a lot of folks pointed to the Willie Gay um, suspension happening ahead of that game, you know, putting on their tinfoil hats and calling it an NFL conspiracy. <laughs> Um, let's see what there, there's a couple other things in that bills game that are like, okay, they could have done this better. And we still have the talent advantage over the bills. And we knew that because we had beaten the bills before. Granted, it sure. was the great 13 second comeback. Right. But at the end of the day, you look on paper and the bills had lost to the chiefs. You didn't have that with the Bengals though. So there was a lot of, a uh, lot of anxiety when it came to that moving into the postseason. Right, and then uh, you know the playoffs come. You got that win over Jacksonville, which every mm-hmm. Chiefs fan heart stopped in in that one with Mahomes going <laughs> yeah. down with the with the ankle injury. And even though he gutted it out, you could definitely see it was affecting him, and you know how he was how he was acting in the pocket and, and things like that. Fast forward a week later, here come the Bengals again, mm-hmm. back to the return of the scene of the crime where. You know, like, well, in 2021, they beat you in Cincy and then came into Kansas City and won the AFC title. Same thing happened. And you meet up in Cincy week, what, 14, 15, something like that? Yeah, something year. like that. And then, you know, they, they beat you guys there. Another tight game, same as it was the year before. And here we are, returning to the scene of the crime where they beat you guys for the AFC title the year before. Yep. Only uh, only this time the, the football gods smile upon the Chiefs and they were the ones to uh, to come out ahead. Um <laughs> just an unfortunate ending to both the AFC title yeah. game and the Super Bowl for the for the Chiefs cuz it's like I just you know just to nitpick it it both of those wins tainted a little bit not so much at the AFC championship game cuz that was just something stupid that that mm-hmm. guy did chasing Mahomes and and you know dragging him down out of bounds or whatever and you know and then almost blew out his knee for his trouble uh afterwards yeah. uh and everything but it put the Chiefs in position to kick the field goal and Hey, if they're going to make the mistakes, let them, and I'll kick the field goal and we'll win the game and 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 go to the go to Arizona for the Super Bowl. But the the Eagles uh, and the, the the call after the, for the pass interference that set up the game winning field goal in that one. The only thing that I didn't like about it, the referees are going to make those calls or whatever. That's going to happen. It's an unfortunate part of the game. The only thing I didn't like was all of a sudden Andy Reid played it safe 
you know, drain the <laughs> clock and kick the field goal to win the game. That I was not a huge fan of. That was the only like beef I had with the whole thing. The refs are going to make the calls or, or you know or whatever. That's unfortunate. That thing is going to happen. It sucks, but. You know what I didn't like was was Reed sitting on the ball and then kicking the field goal to give the you know the Eagles as little time as possible. I mean I understand the strategy obviously, yeah. but it's like just for, for the back and forth game that that was for it to end that way it really kind of tainted what could have gone down as one of the all time great Super Bowls. That's that's true, and you know what? Whatever I I put it like this, Larry. But whatever narrative that you want to take from the game, you have things on either side that support it. Does that make sense? Like if you yeah, want to absolutely. focus on how how yeah. the refs impacted both games because they did on both sides of the ball. I feel like, um, but the most pivotal plays went in the Chiefs' favor. Right. That's that is what people will remember. And honestly, I I can't blame them. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're still we're still talking about on like Valentine's Day about uh the Eagles corner holding Juju Smith Schuster. Like that was that was a whole thing on social media with Juju Smith Schuster himself. And we're still talking about it on sports radio in Kansas City. Like it is it is something that's gonna stick with that Super Bowl win. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know what to think about it, man. I I don't want to call it tainted, but it's hard to ignore that both those things helped the Chiefs. Yeah, I think that's more of a you know um, a sour grapes narrative yeah. uh, about it uh, and everything. The Chiefs did what they had to do in order to win the yeah. game. They took advantage of the opportunities that uh, that came up. You know, this isn't some wide conspiracy to just keep the Chiefs <laughs> and Mahomes in the Super Bowl or anything like that. It was just unfortunate the way that it that it uh that it went down uh and that's just my uh opinion uh, you know just yeah. the super bowl in general like i i really love the afc championship game the back and forth the intensity of the war that the those teams were going through and i was just really upset that that guy you know like you, you just hate for it to come down to penalties same way that you hate for it all to come down to a kicker you know right. you hate for it to come down to a kicker you hate for the game to be won off of a penalty you know, like that, and uh, especially especially for someone like me who doesn't have a dog in the fight. I'm just watching a great football game that, that's, you know, going to go this way or the other uh, with a penalty. But, you know, like I said, the Chiefs took advantage of the opportunities. They do what great teams do. Uh, you know, they they uh, they uh, profit they off of some. Yeah, they capitalize. That's mistakes. the word. They capitalized on the mistakes. They, they're the one holding up the uh, – the trophy, and then uh, you know, a couple of days ago, they were the ones uh, having a ring ceremony, and yeah. uh, get another one of those ridiculous, gaudy ass rings that I would never Oof. wear ever. You know, I, I wouldn't like, either. Trust it me. would just stay in the box, you know, someplace and closed in glass, and you know, with a guard standing in front of it, and all that kind of, <laughs> you know, what and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I was like, I can't imagine I would ever wear those rings anywhere for any reason. No. It's like they're just. They're too big. They're just just for clout. Wear them for clout, though. Come on, every now yeah. and then you got to pull them out. Yeah, you saw, you know, like Brady did that when he was just collecting his rings. Like, oh, look at that. I'm out of fingers. You know, got to yep. go on the other hand now, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, yeah. So we head into the offseason, and the one big, you know, story for the Chiefs in the offseason, obviously, is is enemy. He yeah. has, uh, you know, after another offseason you know, I don't know how many interviews he got, but he didn't get a job. But instead, he's basically pulling himself out from underneath Andy Reid's shadow. I mean, I don't know if that had anything to do with why he's not being able to to find a job or or anything like that. But now he's he's going he's off 
to go and prove that he can do it himself, that it wasn't mm-hmm. just, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Andy Reid umbrella, you know, embracing him and, and uh, doing it. So he's off to the commanders where he's, the, you know, going to be running things out there to kind of show that he can do it without Andy Reid and that it, probably more importantly he can do it without Patrick Mahomes uh, yeah. out there. So who steps up as the – oh, never mind. That is the dumbest question in the world for a Bears <laughs> you know fan to answer. ask. It's nagging. You know that answer. It's by just, just as soon as like who – oh, that's right. Of course. It's Nagy who's probably going to try to use this as his opportunity to get another crack at, uh, at being a uh, – a head coach. Maybe he'll be better prepared mm-hmm. the second time around, but um, hopefully so. Hey, but I, I do want to point this out, Larry. So it yeah. was, I have an article coming out on Arrowhead addict. You know, it's the off season. We gotta, we gotta find some new uh, content out there. And I was ranking the members of Andy Reed's coaching tree who have had head coaching gigs. And it was a, I'm talking with every single and I, I hate to say this, but it is a common denominator, so I'd be wrong if I wasn't pointing it out. Right. All the members of his coaching tree that are, you know, people of color that went on to get head coaching gigs, they needed to leave Reed and go elsewhere in similar or even in the same position, and then they got head coaching jobs. Like, you think of uh, Leslie Frazier, Todd Bowles, Ron Rivera. Right, even Rivera, um, yeah. All, all of them, they they had to leave under Reed, and then they got their chance. So I do think that this is what Eric Bieniemy is doing. I think it's I think it's the right thing. Um, Matt Nagy, he's got his chance to redeem himself, though, right? I mean, I I hope the for the best for the guy. It just outside of his <laughs> amazing, you know, rookie head coaching season in 2018, where it all just kind of came together. You know, yeah. we went 12 and four. We win the division, and then you know. As I said a moment ago, it all came down to a kicker, and it came down to that one kicker, and oh, you still wake <laughs> up screaming if you think about it. So it's just yeah. it's it's a heartbreaking thing because we were in a good position to to run the table if we walk away from the if we beat the Eagles uh, that day. Right. But um, but then after that, it was a disaster. Nagy and his stubbornness did him in more than anything. That's true. So I mean, I think that'll probably benefit him being there with. With Reed and and Reed being able to veto or you know whatever override anything that he doesn't approve of uh, from uh, from Nagy because there were things mm-hmm. that he did. I mean I've mentioned this on the show a thousand times. We had a game against the Chargers where um, we ran a power eye formation for the majority of the game, and that was in David Montgomery's rookie year. And in that game where we had struggled to run the ball all throughout the season, has like 150 yards and two touchdowns in that game. And then he famously in the post game presser tells the uh, press that uh, he didn't come here to run the power. eye. Like, what? So you sure about that dude? Cause yeah, we just no ran way. for a buck 50 and two touchdowns with a rookie running back. I mean, I know we didn't win the game because it came down to a kicker and unfortunately mm-hmm. he missed, but you know, it's like we were doing pretty great running the yeah, football and you know, like it worked. So wh- why wouldn't we be doing this? And then, you know, that just one thing he was trying to do square peg and round hold the, the offense, trying to get guys to fit into this system rather than tailoring his system to what we do well. And every time he did that, we had some success running the football, you know, you know, using the tight ends, rolling Trubisky out, getting him out of the pocket, things like that. But, you know, it was it never stuck. And no matter what, we always went back to what he wanted to do. And you could always tell when we were doing what Nagy wanted because it didn't work. 
you know? Yeah. And, and you know what? There are, there are so many things that, you know, we might not be aware of going on in the locker room, things like that. But I will admit after his rookie year, just as a casual watcher of him, any bears related thing, it didn't seem like he had that locker room. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just seemed like there was a lot of disjointedness going on in that sideline. And I mean, we're, we're spoiled with, with Andy Reid. Let's, let's be honest. We, we all, we all know that, but watching him, it was, it was, it was pretty painful at times. Yes, and and that was the thing. I mean, and, and that was what was so hard to accept going over like year two and beyond was that he was like a breath of fresh air. You know, the you know from, he was the anti John Fox. He comes in, mm-hmm. he's he's a little bit more transparent. He's he really kind of seemed to create a culture with the club dub and you know and all that. The players were responding. It you know the the you know, the guys were just having so much fun with him bringing in defensive players to run offensive plays at the goal line, you know, <laughs> and things like that. It's like it was just one of those kind of magical type seasons. And then it's like in 2019, we didn't do any of that. Yeah. We didn't do any of that. And and then it's like as we get, uh, you know, when Nagy was let go, we start hearing stories about what it was really like and how Nagy never wanted Trubisky in the first place. Then why'd you take the goddamn job? Exactly. You know, we just drafted him in 2017. You come in in 2018, you tell me, you you know, and as like he tried to replace him a couple of times and it didn't work out. And it's just, you know, it's just one disaster <laughs> after another. And he damn exactly. near ruined fields in 2021. Uh, you know, his rookie year as well. So it was just like, get this guy out of here. He's going to kill us, Um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. 19, 20, and 21 were three of the longest seasons uh, of my life, which is hilarious because 2019, we were 8-8. and 2020, we were 8-8 and again and went to the playoffs. And then 2019, we were 6-11 and or or something like that. I mean, there's not like the worst win-loss records in the world. It's just these are agonizingly long seasons because it was so frustrating to watch like coming off bye weeks the teams were never prepared they looked like they just got back as a team the day before we played after a bye because they just did no no spark no you know spunk no nothing it's just like we're so flat-footed and we have no idea what's going on we did more coming back in the second half than we did in the start it was just it was just it was just hard hard to watch those were very long seasons last yeah. year and then funny Last year we go three and fourteen, and it was one of the more fun seasons I've been around <laughs> in a long time. So I was like, "Go figure, man!" I just, I it was, it was so crazy. But you and know, you know what? I, I, I I'm going to take over for for a little bit here. Go so ahead. I do apologize. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of positive things that come to my mind when I think about the Bears heading into the 2023 season. Yeah. You know, we're all going to be watching for Fields' development as a passer. We know he can be an elite running quarterback, but can he be at least a decent passing quarterback? Um, and then I saw Jaquan Brisker, I think it was, mm-hmm. you know, piping back at Jordan Love. So we're, I don't know, just that that Packers-Bears rivalry is one of the more historic ones, and I usually tune into it when it's in prime time. Sure. But it's kind of felt a little flat the oh, last for sure. few years. Yeah, well, so I have said famously the, the last few years as well, one of my favorite guests to have on the show, ironically, is my Packers guy. And what I've told him the last few years is that, you know, the Bears and the Packers are for sure rivals. They are each other's number one rival, but this hasn't been a rivalry in years. That's true. You know, it has not been a rivalry where you're going into the game not knowing who's going to win. 
You know, that, that's mm-hmm. been the Bears and the Lions for the last decade or so. They've been trading back and forth wins. They've, you know, a little bit more intense with the Vikings as far as what the outcome of the game is actually going to be. When it comes to the Packers, you can bet the house on Green Bay beating us one way or the other. I mean, even in 2018, when we won a division, we split the series with them. That's the yeah. best we've been able to do. And ever since 2019, we've been, we've been sweeped every season since you know and it's 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 like we've we're rivals that is definitely there the desire between the fan bases and the team to beat one another has always been there but it hasn't been a rivalry for years it hasn't been a rivalry for it's not since like the early lovey seasons when he had brett Favre's number you know but once once uh you know uh once aaron Rodgers came in in 08 you know, we, we I think we split the in two thousand eight and then pretty much in there the, like the scales tipped heavily in Green Bay's favor. So yeah, it hasn't been a rivalry in a really long time. Well and the sorry, I'm I'll pivot it back to the Chiefs a little bit sure. here. So the, the Chiefs are the same way with the Broncos though. Yeah. Like that is a, a great historic rivalry and a lot of a lot of old time Chiefs fans will circle that because that was always a good bar on the season is if we were beating the Broncos. I remember as a, as a kid, there was one year that the chiefs stunk, but they beat the Broncos to keep them out of the postseason, like the last regular season week. And that was all we could talk about. Like that was the, that was a great thing for the season. Well, that's the thing about, uh, that's the thing about rivalries, man. You know, those games carry so much more weight than, than any other, on the schedule, which is why Bear fans have been very upset and very hurt, you know, for the better part of the last decade, because, you know, those games mean a lot to us. We want to win those games. And for one reason or another, whether it's by an absolute drubbing or if there's just one last thing where the Bears just made one more mistake than they should have in the game and all that kind of stuff, we we end up coming up short uh, in those games. Mm -hmm. And now with Rodgers gone and what we've added to our team this year, Hopefully it becomes a rivalry again where, you know, obviously I would love for the Bears to sweep this year. That would be fantastic. Yeah. That would be a great way to kick off this this new era uh, of the uh, of the rivalry. But, uh, you know, it, it's got to even out at some point. And uh, I, w- I was on a, a podcast for on the draft for the Vikings and wanted mm-hmm. to hear my reaction to Darnell Wright getting picked and, all that kind of stuff, and one of them, one of them, and the Packer guy was there, and they were asking him about Jordan Love, and I was like, God help me, if Jordan Love <laughs> is is another, you know, gem of a quarterback and everything. It's like in 1992, I was 14 years old when Brett Favre took over. I just turned 45, goddamn years old, and we're just now in a position to where we might have the better quarterback in this rivalry again. It's like God help me. <laughs> If Jordan Love Oof. comes from out of nowhere and lives up to his first round draft status, and you know, and takes over, and you know, and is another, you know, quarterback gem for the Packers. Damn that that has been quite a while, Larry. That's uh, that's kind of sad. Yeah, it is. It is. So I mean, you know, Favre was red hot against the Bears for years and years and years, and then, you know, right when Lovey came in in '04. You know, we at the, the worst we did was split, and then in 07, his last year with the team, we swept him. So, okay. you know, that we were doing great. It was a rivalry. And, and like, in 07, we were coming off our Super Bowl uh, season. But we finished 7-9 and nine that year. Mm-hmm. But two of those seven wins sweep in the Green Bay Packers. So, it, was, there you go. it wasn't the worst season that we could have had because we beat the Packers uh, that yep. year. So, but, you know, like you said, with the Chiefs and their dominance of the – 
of the AFC West. You know, I, I, last year had to be kind of exciting going into it, thinking like, hey, these might actually be become ball games again, or you yep. know, or whatnot. Instead, nope, you went six and zero, ran the board. I mean, there were some tight games in there because of the division rivalries and everything. But a sweep of the Chiefs, or excuse me, sweep of the Broncos, sweep of the Raiders, sweep of the Chargers, done, done, and done. And it's like, well, so much for that, you know. Yeah, and it's you. You know what? Leading up to each one of those games, though, outside of the Broncos, really, it was there was some like, hey, they the other team can win this if they do this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. And we talked about it earlier. It just came down to the other team beating themselves rather than the Chiefs being dominant. Just the te- the Chiefs did their thing. We know how good of a squad they are, how good the coaching is. They did their thing. But the uh, the opposition just weren't holding up their end of the bargain, if you know what I mean. Sure. Well, I mean, that's Bears-Packers right there. Yeah, sure. You know, Bears just did not hold up hold up their end for the for the longest time. Unfortunately you know, so. There I was, you know, a 14-year-old kid battling acne, and now here I am battling arthritis. <laughs> you know, it's like it's not good. So we're still trying to get over the hump with those guys. But Passage of time, my man. Amen. Amen. So uh, free agency real quick. Yes. Um, uh, you swap out tackles uh, in this yeah. one. Orlando Brown uh, wanting to stay a left tackle signs with the – with the Bengals, and you bring in Jawan Taylor from the Jaguars, but um, who else was it that you guys brought in that's probably going Donovan to be the Smith. Le- There it is, right there. Donovan Smith from Tampa Bay. So now Jawan Taylor becomes a $20 million a year right tackle uh, for yeah. you guys. I mean, you had to replace both tackles anyway with Wiley leaving to go to uh, Washington. So mm-hmm. I guess it just kind of worked out. You also drafted, uh, you know, uh, Jawan Taylor, Jawana Taylor, something like that from uh, Wanya Morris. Wanya, that's yep. what. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, from from Oklahoma in the third round. We'll get to the draft in a minute, but mm-hmm. you know, loading up to make sure that the the offensive line, which is held up pretty well uh, for Mahomes and, and company, does not uh, fall off. I mean, are, yeah. are are we looking at even possibly being better on the edges now with Taylor and uh, Donovan Smith? I would I would say better, yes. Um, I would be a little bit more hesitant about that if they were trying to force Taylor to be the left tackle to start off with because sure. that's what that's what we were all kind of worried about after having to go through the hey moving Orlando Brown to a full time left tackle after they traded for him. And we just didn't want to do that again with Taylor after already paying the guy. But Donovan Smith, he is a he's a veteran left tackle who had to perform through a lot of injuries last year. So we're hoping that he can at least be at a average left tackle, if not slightly above that. Um, Jawan Taylor, I think he could be a a top seven right tackle. So. I think that combo is better than Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley, who, golly, if if you look at those pressures that they allowed to start off the 2022 season, they were horrendous. Mm. One of the worst tackle duos in the league. And you, you just weren't expecting that from the Chiefs. The interior offensive line were doing their job between Thune, or sorry, Tooney, <laughs> Humphrey, and Smith. But, yeah, on the edges there, it was getting pretty rough at times. And then uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, he signs uh, a long-term mm-hmm. deal in uh, in New England. Uh, Miko Hardman signs to play with Rodgers and uh, with the Jets. So you know, after a year after losing, you know Tyreek Hill, you lose basically his replacement in Juju Smith-Schuster and Miko Hardman, also known for his speed. It's like you mm-hmm. know, are we are we going to be relying more on guys like Sky Moore and and 
things like that to kind of fill the void because I think you you only re- drafted the uh, the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did it go? There Se- second rounder, yeah. Rasheed Rice, Rasheed Rice SMU. from SMU. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just the one wide receiver in the in the draft. So it looks like you guys are are leaning more towards what's already there versus adding to it like you did last year by bringing in Schuster. Yeah, so it's, you know, Juju, he was catching things over the middle when he was available. At the end of the day, this team did really have to make things work without Juju on the field. He did. He missed quite a few games because of injury. And you know what? I wish we weren't already expecting that, but we kind of were when the team signed signed Juju. Excuse me. Yes, this team is going to be relying on a lot on Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore, two very unproven commodities, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have some mid-tier veteran guys. Marquez Valdez Scantling, he did pretty decent his first year in Kansas City. And then Richie James, he did ha- just have a career year in New York, and you know the Chiefs got him on a one-year deal, so he could at least be a like a, a fill-in guy, and you could just at least bring a veteran presence, I guess. That's that's still the biggest question mark on this roster is because outside of Travis Kelsey, there's not really like a top receiving option for Patrick Mahomes. And Travis Kelsey ain't getting younger, man. Right. He's uh you know, he's got some some what's the word? Some mileage on those tires, you know yeah, what I mean? For sure. Yeah, he's still got a little tread, but it's definitely worn from what it used to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, he hasn't fallen off in productivity yet. It's just that it's it's yeah. going to happen at some point, unfortunately. You mm-hmm. know, Mother Nature is undefeated. So, uh, you know, it'll catch up. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking here at the depth chart, and I see a familiar name. Oh, and, boy. Uh, I see Amir Smith-Marset. Yeah. And uh, you want to keep that guy off the field in important okay. moments, okay? Because right. he managed to screw the Bears twice uh, in back-to-back ball games against the Vikings and the uh, Commanders. I still want to call them the Redskins, but um, <laughs> the Commanders. Uh, week five against the uh, Vikings, he did it twice in the game. Number one, um, Justin Fields broke what would have been his first big touchdown run you know, like a 50-yard run. He, you know, twisted and turned, but, of course, blocking the back from Amir Smith-Marset on a guy that was – Fields has already passed him. You know, he wasn't wasn't affecting the play. He wasn't going to make the tackle. Hits him Mm -hmm. anyway. What was a 50-yard touchdown, we ended up having to settle for a field goal uh, after that. And then in that game where I think we need a touchdown and a two-pointer to tie, and we're moving the ball. Fields hits Smith's Marset, and he's standing there face-to-face with the corner. All he has to do is step out of bounds. All he has to do, but instead he gets greedy, tries to go for it. A defender comes up from behind him, literally just tears the ball out of his hands. That's right. Ball game, we lose. Oh, my gosh. Uh, And then a week later uh, against the Commanders, he he dropped what would have been a first down in a game where first downs were few and far between for both squads. (laughs) One of the worst-played games I've seen in a really long time was that Thursday nighter with the Bears and the Commanders. And guess what? The NFL's running it back week five or week six or something like that again this year. Bears-Commanders on Thursday night. Can't wait. Man, they they better flex that out of there. (laughs) God, from your lips to God's ears on that one, man. But, (laughs) you know, just keep that guy off the the field when the the game is on the line. You you don't want him, uh, you know, mucking up the works. Uh, That's for sure. But, uh yeah, and and I'm also noticing that um, 
you know, it, it just Isaiah Pacheco was really interesting for you guys uh, last year, and, and yeah. unfortunately, he he kind of feeds into the new narrative with with running backs. This is a seventh round pick that ended up being like the starter for you, uh, you know, mm-hmm. being super productive. Whereas, unfortunately for Edwards Elaire, you know, last year he was on injured reserve for a big chunk of the season and uh, and, and whatnot. But this, you know, the seventh rounder comes in. Whereas, you know, right now one of the big things is. You know, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, all these guys got franchise tagged, and they're looking for big, long-term deals when the market just isn't there for running backs to get their bag anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. they have to be super special players because as guys like Pacheco or even teams like the Bears who keep finding day three guys to be their stud running backs. Like our our number one on depth chart right now is a sixth-round pick in Khalil Herbert. You know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Montgomery is the best that we've had in a long time, and he was a third round pick. Jordan Howard was a fifth rounder. Tariq Cohen was a fourth rounder. I mean, it just goes on and on like that. The Bears haven't spent a first round pick on a running back since Cedric Benson in 2005, and it was, you know, almost getting to be an outdated thing at that point. So, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's like the, the position itself hasn't been devalued as being an important part of the offense. But where you find that talent and how much you pay for it, that has definitely gone down in value right. as far as – I mean, NFL players are, or NFL front offices are putting all their money in quarterbacks and receivers. They're the ones making $30, $40, 50000000 million uh, a season now. Them, pass rushers, and tackles, those are the ones making all, all the big money. Uh, you know, the ones that made money when, when I was a kid were, you know, they were the linebackers and the running backs. Those guys aren't making the big, big bucks anymore. Not not anymore. Both are very, very expendable players yeah. in or not not expendable, maybe like interchangeable would be a better word. Because I I think about the the tandem in Kansas City that had the most success was Jarek McKinnon on passing downs and then Isaiah Pacheco on rushing downs. Mm-hmm. Both were terrible in other situations. Jarek McKinnon could not get it going on the ground, and Isaiah Pacheco was not really a receiving threat at all. Mm. But Pacheco comes out of nowhere, is a, a great seventh-round success story as a rookie, and then Jarek McKinnon, a an aging veteran with, what, two, three ACL tears in his NFL career, yeah. and he has nine receiving touchdowns and sets all these career highs and things like that under Andy Reid. It is... It's very much more of a, a, a patchwork solution, I think, amongst NFL running backs right now than even what I'm used to. Like, I need to kind of switch my mindset in that regard. Yeah, I mean, and, and the Bears have a fascinating running back room now with yeah. with Khalil Herbert. We drafted Roshan Johnson, which people are just absolutely over the moon uh, about. Really? Yeah, they are. I mean, even with even the fact that he was Bijan Robinson's backup. In Texas, everybody's just like, keep an eye out for this, Roshan. Because, you know, he was backing up one of the more special running backs the league has, has had in, you know, in quite some time, or a college mm-hmm. footballer or, or whatever. It's like, you know, he might, he might be day one starter for the Bears. That's how good he is. He just happened to be behind, you know, a generational talent at Texas, you know, behind Robinson uh, and everything. One of the few running backs to actually get taken in the first round of the draft, uh, you know, in the last five years uh, yep. or so. But, um, you know, and we have uh, Deontay Freeman Foreman that we just signed away from the uh, Panthers. So, you know, it's an interesting room and we still have, you know, a handful of other guys as well. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that running back room, you know, formulates. And now you put, you know, a healthy 
Edward Zilaire back into that room with mm-hmm. with McKinnon and you know Pacheco uh, and everything. It uh, you know you could have another three headed monster there as well. Is is Zilaire more the guy that can do all of it the best, or are they do they still all serve a different role? They, I'm I'm trying to think of how to word this. So first off, Edward Zilaire is very disenfranchised with this fan base right now, mm. kind of rightfully so. So please take what I say with a grain of salt, <laughs> everyone. Um, if if the Chiefs had to only run out one running back for the entire game, I don't think it would be Clyde Edwards Alaire. Like mm. he can he can do both the running and the passing games competently, but he doesn't really excel at either one. And you know what? At the end of the day, you have to prioritize the receiving back over yeah. any sort of, you know, run first running back. And so Jarek McKinnon was a de facto starter at times. Like at least he would get the first snap for the Kansas City Chiefs. So that is definitely something to keep in mind. But so many we're all we're all kind of done with Edwards Alaire. The you know, he's he's not like a clear bust, but he just did not live up to first round expectations in Kansas City. Mm. He was very much a guy that the story goes that Mahomes wanted specifically, and I don't blame him. He looked great at LSU, especially in the in the championship game there. Mm-hmm. But he just never never lived up to it, and that's that's disappointing because you can see the talent at times, but he just doesn't have a lot of the raw athleticism that players need to excel in the NFL. Right. So any other free agent moves, uh, subtraction? I see that um, one of my old alums, uh, Colin Saunders, uh, mm, I went to yep. Western Illinois, same as uh, he did. Our football cool. program was much better when I was there. <laughs> than when he was there, but he he managed to uh, not only make it to the NFL, but win two rings in his four seasons uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL, and he's off to uh, to uh, New Orleans now uh, yep. to kind of earn his bag there. Fantastic for him. Yeah, and good, good for him. He was very much on the roster bubble to start 2022, so to see him get some opportunities due to injuries and other defensive tackles struggling, and now he gets a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract down in New Orleans, that's yeah. that's a great. The Chiefs faithful love Colin Saunders. Great story. Great guy. Um, one of the few like clearly positive athletic presences on social media, I guess is the way to put it, especially uh-huh. after we had Tyron Matthew, who was very up and down right. with the Chiefs fan base. But probably the other major free agent signings are going to be Charles Amenehu from the San Francisco 49ers. He is going to play a big role in the edge rotation. Unfortunately, there's a I got a big like question mark behind him because he did have some I think it was domestic violence charges in January after he signed. Yeah. Um, So that can that can play into things. Um, Drew, we were just talking about linebackers being interchangeable. Drew Tranquil comes over from the Chargers. He is going to play a big part into that unit. Um, and then, yeah, we really talked about everyone else. Jarek McKinnon's back. Richie James joins. He'll be in the competition to break the uh, week one roster. But, yeah, those are the major additions in free agency. You guys also signed Blaine Gabbert uh, yeah. after um, Chad Henney finally retired. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting. I didn't think that he would actually leave Tampa Bay. 
um, after you know Brady finally retires, you figured he'd be next up in line, or at least you know the last time I had a chance to talk to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers guy, that's all he could talk about was that if something happens to Brady or if Brady moves on, the the Buccaneers feel good about you know Blaine Gabbert taking over, mm-hmm. and then Brady finally does retire, Gabbert leaves, and now it's up to Kyle Trask and uh, you know um, Baker Mayfield uh, to sort out who the quarterback for the for the Buccaneers uh, is, is going to be. So I was surprised that he, that he left and that, uh, you know, maybe he just, you know, after being a first round bust for Jacksonville, he just doesn't want to be in the spotlight. Uh, yeah, again. You know what? Maybe not. There's, there's probably a lot of factors that are playing into this. Um, the first one that came to my mind was he, he went to Mizzou. So he's in a way it's him going back to his hometown sure, NFL sure, team. Yeah. And then that uh, that rule change that the NFL had with uh, having a third emergency quarterback without them taking up a spot on the active roster, right. I think that is going to keep Blaine Gabbert in Kansas City. I, you know, Shane Bouchelle, who's formerly out of SMU, he's very much a developmental darling, is probably the way to put it. I'm I'm not a super big believer in him, but the tools are there, and he. He's yet to have to prove himself because we had Chad Henney. But I feel better if we have Gabbert as quarterback three on the depth chart and we only need to see him in emergencies. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So moving on uh, to uh, draft day, the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Chiefs in the first round go with, uh, go with Felix Anu. Is it Anudike Uzama? Is that how we do that? Or it, it's pronounced Felix Anudike Uzama. Uzama. There we go. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of you know you can call him Felix. You can call him FAU is another popular. Oh, nice. Popular yeah. nickname. Like yep. Yeah. Then we already talked about Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver mm-hmm. out of SMU in the second round. Wanya Morris, whose name I butchered the hell out of a few minutes ago. <laughs> Joanna. Joanna. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Nice job, Larry. Wanya. Yeah. Wanya Morris, uh, of offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Uh, Shamari Moore. Uh, Shamari Connor, sorry. Cornerback out of Virginia Tech. BJ Thompson, another edge rusher out of Stephen F. Austin in the fifth round. Uh, Keandre Coburn, defensive tackle out of Texas in the sixth. And then Nick Jones cornerback out of ball state in the seventh round so mm-hmm. you know how uh, are we looking for some kind of day one impact from uh Anadike? uh so that- he is uh still very much a, a developmental guy uh-huh. the if you look at the depth chart he's not going to be expected to have a day one impact right you know you have you have George Karloftis on one end, you have Omenihu on the other, and Felix will probably rotate there on, you know, depending on the situation, package, things like that. He's not, I'm not going to judge him off of his rookie impact, if you, uh, if you will say that. He very much is a ascending player. If you go back to his high school days and see where he was physically on tape and things like that, he was a completely different player leaving Kansas state. And so I think the chiefs a bought into the hometown guy and B bought into, Hey, this guy is still getting better. He's not peaking in college. So I, he has some natural progression that are going to take him higher. If that does that make sense? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially with the, where you guys are picking. Yeah. You know, you're you're yeah, always... they're, they're, they're all kind of lottery picks. Ed. Yeah. Well, 
different levels of lottery picks. There's no sure thing at the end of any given round. Right. And, you know, you guys are picking out, you know, the the one thing about winning the championship is that you you pick last in every single yeah. round that there that there is. And, you know, picking what was the final pick in the round this year because of the Miami thing, uh, mm-hmm. the last pick in the first round was 31 instead of 32. And at that point, you know, that's where, you know, you find – I mean, and that's why what what made you guys give up the trade for Orlando Brown uh, a couple years ago yep. is you're picking at the back end, the very last pick in the draft, and it's like you know that's that's it's and it's so, such a you know a, like a Venn diagram of draft picks. Am I getting first round talent or am I getting a top second round pick uh, kind of thing with where we are mm-hmm. you know in the in this in the draft and in the back half of the first round or the top half of the second one and. Uh, and things like that. I mean, you see teams more times than not trade out of that right. pick and, and, you know, back up into the second round uh, kind of thing. But, uh, you know, and go, going back to draft night, it yeah. was the script really flipped on the Chiefs because you got to like, I think it was pick 20 or 21, something like that. And it felt like the board was falling in a really good way. There were a lot of prospects and a lot of prospects who filled a need on this roster that were not getting drafted. They other teams were passing them up. So I was like, okay, the Chiefs can sit and they can let the guy come to them, and they'll they'll do just fine. Yeah, it's always and, a good spot yeah, go to ahead. be. In. It's always a good spot to be in. You know, I always yeah. talk about how you know Ozzie Newsom when he was running the the, the Ravens always seemed to just sit there and, and wait for the draft to come to him and yeah. always got the guy he wanted by just letting the draft happen. They you know, weren't really known for making moves, going back and forth, just staying in the spot that they earned. And somehow guys like C.J. Mosley, you know, the guys just always kind of fell uh, in their lap and stuff. And, yeah. you know, and they were always one of the stronger teams in the, uh, in the conference because of it. So Definitely a, a guy who is just before we wrap up the draft stuff, the yeah, guy yeah. that a lot of fans are going to be watching this year is going to be Keandre Coburn, actually, mm. in the sixth round. Um, mount, mountain of a guy. Just huge. Go back and watch his college tape, and he's very impressive. I understand that the Big 12 is not really known for their offensive line prowess anymore, but he very much looked like a man among boys in the Big 12. And... Nice. Alongside Chris Jones, there's a big question mark right there. Derek Noddy, he's been on a steady decline. Turk Wharton, who is more of a speed rusher guy than a run stopper, is coming off of an ACL tear, so he's a little concerning still. Keandre Coburn can come in, you know, eat that double team alongside Chris Jones and let the other guys around him work. So I think I think fans are going to like him, and I think he might have a bigger impact than, than we're anticipating. Nice. So let's look ahead. It's time to yes. uh, peek ahead at the 2023, uh, I was going to say, draft. I'm, I don't know what the hell I was <laughs> Pass that, Larry. Yeah, Come on, man. Just, we're, we're done here. Let me snap <laughs> into focus here. The 2023 season. Interesting matchup for you guys to start off things and a real test for your opponent. You know, yeah. in the Detroit Lions, you know, the, the, the annual kickoff game where the champs are at home and, you know, raise the banner and, and, and whatnot, and then usually play a team that for, you know, for intense, all intents and purposes is somebody that they should run through, mm-hmm. uh, you know, putting it lightly. And NFL didn't exactly do you that favor. I mean, it, end up, yeah. might, it might end up working out that way anyway 
because the Lions are still the Lions, and they're going to have to prove to me that they are worth all the hype that they're getting mm-hmm. right now. Because, and, and I say this in full context, that the Lions are like the Bears in the fact that they do not string together successful seasons. You know, <laughs> yeah. they're very good one season, and then the next season with the same roster, the same coaches, it all falls apart. So it's more of like the history of the franchise or something. I don't know what it is. It's, it's almost never it's really a talent problem you know, with, with these teams. But we'll see who the Lions are week war week one. I mean, that's about the biggest test as you can get, the defending world yeah. champions at home, you know, to start the uh, the season. I mean, and then the funny thing is it all could, could, could also be one of those week one flukes where the, the Lions come out and they, you know, flex their muscles, they do their thing, and then good. they lion the rest of their way through the season. And it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> there they are. Kind of thing. I I definitely hope that's not the case. You know, this is Andy Reid. He's got half a calendar year to uh, prepare for his upcoming opponent. Sure, but I will to give the Lions some credit. I I'm with you, Larry. I'm not buying into all the hype immediately. They're not my NFC favorite mm-hmm. right now, or NFC North favorite. Excuse me. And but they were very much a likable team yes. at the end of 2022. Yeah, they did good on hard knocks, which is not something that you always see. They are a very likable and marketable team. So you kind of have this uh, the the good team, the good guys going up against the uh, the Goliath that is the Kansas City Chiefs. You right. know, well, I mean, and it's it's an interesting you know matchup um, for them and for you guys, um, you know, as well. You you get the Lions coming in, you know, one of the teams that could not have been much hotter at the end of the season, mm-hmm. you know, last year that just unfortunately lost too much at the beginning of the season for it to matter. You yeah. know, they won eight out of, the, out of their last ten, but they started the year one and six, so that's kind of what sunk them was losing, you know, too many ball games early on and coming on strong, there just wasn't enough, you know. Mm-hmm. They ran out of real estate kind of thing at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the year. Then you have a rematch with Jacksonville, but this one is in Jacksonville, and then we come to town week number three. Um, (laughs) And then, of course, the big stink about the Chiefs not wanting to play the Bears uh, in Germany. We want to keep that (laughs) revenue in Kansas City because Bear fans travel like, you know, crazy, and, you know, that's a a lot of revenue you're pissing away by sending this game off to to Berlin or or whatever. So instead, (laughs) the NFL grants them their wish. The Bears come to town uh, week three, which looks like it's going to be like that um, uh, Fox uh, game of the week or America's game of the week or whatever. It's a three twenty-five so. start uh, on Fox for that one. Then the first Mahomes Rogers uh, matchup at uh, at New York, uh, you know, with him in the Jets. That's Sunday night football there. So then you have you're at the Vikings. So back to back road trips. Yep. And then another Thursday nighter against the Broncos. Easy enough, man. Yeah, Amazon, that one's at home. Then Chargers, and then Broncos again. So you get a nice little Bronco sandwich there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Get out of the way. Yeah, Thursday night, and then you got the Chargers at home, and then you're at the Broncos. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with the Broncos this year. With with Sean Sean Payton, Payton, will he be able to, to, you know, unbreak uh, you know, Russell Wilson and everything. Was it all kind of Nathaniel Hackett pissing himself away? Because I thought last year that Wilson was just flat out trying too hard. Yeah. He's like just trying times. too hard. I mean, across the board. 
You know, just from the, what he was trying to do on the field, the way he wouldn't let plays die or throw the ball away, or and still ended up being sacked the most in the league, tied with Justin Fields with <laughs> 55 sacks last year. But, you know, and then the whole thing with the Broncos country, let, let's ride. He would not oh let that gosh. go. It's like, dude, really, just just stop. Stop. Just let it go. Just let it go. Stop. It ain't happen. And, and I, and I taught, when I was bro- talking to my Broncos, uh, you know, gal, uh, earlier this summer, I was telling her that it reminded me of that movie Mean Girls where that, that one girl in the group kept trying to make a word happen. It's like, stop trying oh, to make yeah. Fetch happen. Fetch is not going to happen. Yeah. Stop trying to make it happen. It's like, look, man, this Broncos ride thing, it's not going to happen. Just let it go. Okay? It's mm-hmm. like no one likes it. It's been a joke literally from the first moment that they saw him doing the over and over takes uh, in the video. It's just like, just stop. Just let it go, man. Just stop. And like, nope. Just kept pounding away in it. The Broncos went five and twelve or whatever it was last year. So I'm interested rough. to see just how good you know the rub is going to be from Sean Payton when he when he comes in uh, this year. I, I ain't gonna lie to you, man. I want to see what Sean Payton is without Drew Brees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this is I don't know. This is going to be a good legacy. I wouldn't call it a legacy defining season, but uh, this could change a lot of people's opinions on Wilson and Payton this year. Yeah. It, depending on how it goes. And then finally, you do go to Berlin. This time you're playing the Dolphins instead of yep. the uh, uh, the Bears. Uh, so Chiefs fans get to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday to watch to watch <laughs> the game live uh, as it kicks off. And then you have the bye week. Mm-hmm. That's a funny thing with those overseas games. You don't really see teams taking advantage of that these no. days with the, you know taking the bye after – the overseas game that used to be, you know, just stencil that in as like overseas bye week, overseas bye week, and now the NFL gives them the option: do you want the week off or not? And more times than not, they say no nowadays. Yeah, I, but the I Chiefs, never understood that personally. Yeah, the Chiefs actually take advantage after they play the Dolphins in Germany. They got the bye week, uh, and then come home for a Super Bowl rematch with the Eagles on Monday Night Football. That'll probably That'd be, be one of the one. more watched games of the of the year uh, on yeah. Monday night. Uh, this season, and then the first matchup with the Raiders in Vegas. Yep. And then uh, I was going to say it's the first, but actually it would be the second. Uh, Jordan Love, uh, Jordan Love, uh, Patrick <laughs> yeah, Mahomes uh, matchup, but this one is in Lambeau, also on Sunday Night Football. Um, then you got the Bills coming back in. That's going to happen because you guys finish in in first place, so you play mm-hmm. the other first place team. So the Bills and the Bengals on the schedule. Once again, both at home this time, though. Yeah, you know? I think that that might play a, a big difference into it. But I mean, we, we were talking about them earlier. It's it's a tough game either way, no matter the venue, man. Yeah. Then you're you're at the Patriots for your looks like your final Monday night appearance. Home for the Raiders. Home for the Bengals. At the Chargers to uh, finish out the uh, finish out the year. So with it being mm-hmm. a first place schedule, that's always going to weigh. Way heavy, especially if the Bills and the Bengals continue to run the string uh, there. And, um, you know, with the, what is it, the AFC, is it the AFC North? AFC South, right? No. I'm looking, trying to find who, who's the other division you guys are playing oh, wow. this year. Um, it's the East. A, a, Miami, yeah, Buffalo, East. Miami, Buffalo, the, the AFC East, and the NFC North. So it, it, it's an interesting mixture. Uh, of teams you know the nfc north probably going to be better this year than they were last year but probably Mm -hmm. not as top heavy 
as we were. I don't think the you know the Vikings might still be the best team in the division. They're not going thirteen and four again this year. That's no. not going to no, happen. No. I think the best team in this division might be ten and seven, or dare I say, even uh, nine and eight. Uh, you know, yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing because I forgot that the Bucks last year went eight nine, yeah. and won the NFC South. Yeah. So definitely, I think if that's going to happen again, the NFC North is where we're going to see that you know teams beating up on each other it's and I think ugly that, winning record. Yeah, there's there's a good possibility we might be like the AFC South, where even with the Bucks winning the division at eight and nine, everybody else was seven and ten. You yeah. know, so it's not like it was just a complete garbage division where eight and nine won the division and everyone else was four and 13, five and 12, mm-hmm. you know, and all that kind of stuff. I think it might be another one of those really close, uh, you know, come down to the wire uh, type things where, you know, somebody has to win the division. So somebody does yeah. uh, kind of thing. But I, I just, uh, I think the whole division itself will be close as far as first place and last place, like the NFC South was uh, last year. So it, it, mm-hmm. uh, it could be another one of those divisions, and, and uh, we'll see how that all uh, ends up. And then the NFC, the AFC East, that's going to be It'll an be interesting division one, as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. with uh, you know, will the Jets be what they are aiming for, adding Rodgers into the mix there? That's the one thing that was plaguing them uh, last year. Uh, you know, can the Bills keep going there? Can the Dolphins, uh, you know, keep the momentum going with, with Tua? Can Tua stay healthy so they can yeah. keep that juggernaut offense of theirs uh, going? And then who's left? Bill Belichick is yeah. going to finish last. How can I forget the Patriots? But, <laughs> you know, will they be able to figure things out? Was Mac Jones just a, a one-and-done guy? He had that awesome rookie season, and then last year he took as many lumps as you possibly can, mm-hmm. had the true blue sophomore slump. Will they be able to you know, to bounce back uh, on that. And, so. and, you know, they are going to market the hell out of that New York Jets, Kansas City Chiefs matchup oh, in week for four. Sure. Because yeah. I think if, if I'm doing my math correctly, Mahomes is entering his seventh year in the NFL. It seems like he's still just this, you know, coming up sort of guy. But he's yet to have a matchup against Aaron Rodgers. And so that's one of those generational matchups that the NFL is going to market the hell out of, man. Well, and it's quite possibly the last shot you guys are going to get at it, too. Yeah. You know, unless unless you guys both manage to finish in the same spot in your division and they're a same-place opponent next year. Mm-hmm. Chances are you're probably not going to get another shot at a Mahomes Rodgers uh, matchup. So uh, yeah, you know, because capitalize right now while well, we got it. Indeed, and put it on national TV like they are Sunday Night Football. No arguments mm-hmm. there. So we'll have to uh, see how that one uh, shakes out. But mm-hmm. everything that we've gone over here with the with the schedule, you know, the additions and the subtractions. You know, have you, have you guys started talking about records yet? I mean, what's the like the floor ceiling type thing with the Chiefs this year? Do you think? So the the floor right now is looking around twelve and five. Um, that's you know factoring in a regular season loss to the Bengals, um, an AFC West opponent maybe, and then everyone's kind of torn on the overseas game. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are thinking that, you know, Tyree kill. He had, as far as wide receivers go, he had an MVP level season last year. He did. Let's make, let's make that clear. And there was, I kind of bought into it. I ain't going to lie. There was a good conspiracy theory that the chiefs did not 
want the Miami Dolphins to come into Arrowhead and beat them with Tyreek Hill at the at the lead of that. Yeah. So that was one one plausible reason that was given for them taking that overseas. I am a little torn on who's actually going to win that game. And then just like we were talking about with the Colts last year, there's going to be one or two games that you never foresaw that team losing. You just go, what the hell? What, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> why, why did that happen? Um, but 12 and five is kind of the floor. I'm leaning a little bit more towards 13 and four right now. If I'm being conservative, sure. Um, I, I, I hate to put this out there in the, in the universe, but a red hot chiefs team, I could definitely see going 15 and two, <laughs> okay. um, but that is very, very lofty. If I, if I had to bet on a final record, it would be 13 and four. Sure. Sure. And, you know, of course, with, with uh, you know, our connection to Kansas City with our new general manager mm-hmm. uh, and Ryan Poles, like I made the point, you know, during the, during the offseason with everything that, that Poles has, was doing and um, a lot of Bear fans were kind of disappointed with our free agents hall with, you know, all the hype of us having the most cap space in the yeah. league and then you know, Ryan Poles didn't just empty his coffers into any player that he could get to sign uh, on the dotted line and everything. And in fact, he was quite conservative for the amount of money that we had uh, to spend and everything. But then he went ahead and correspondingly drafted those, like what he couldn't find, what he, and what I, the way I put it was what he refused to overpay for in free agency, he's finding in the draft. Chief, right. chief example being our first round pick in Darnell Wright. We yeah. had an opportunity to sign Mike McGlinchey. We had conversations with Orlando Brown and other, you know, other tackles that were on the market, and we signed none of them. Didn't sign a single one. I think McGlinchey was the one that we were closest in on, but instead he went for the money in Denver. You yeah. know, like I think the Bears were in for like sixteen, seventeen million, and he goes for almost eighteen in. In Just Denver. crazy. Yeah. And then we draft Darnell Wright, who as a 10th overall pick is going to make maybe $4 million a season uh, as, a, as, a, as the number 10 pick in the, in the, in the draft. So we got, mm-hmm. a, we got a guy who's obviously going to give us more years than McGlinchey's got left, and we got him for a quarter of the a price. You know, same thing with, you know, we didn't want to give Javon Hargrave $21 million a season like the 49ers did. Oh, and yeah. instead, we, you know, we got, you know, Gervon Dexter in the second round, Zach Pickens in the third, you know, it's like probably with those kids and their two contracts combined could maybe take half of uh, Javon's first season uh, mm-hmm. in, in uh, you know, in, in San Francisco and, and the other, you know, big defensive tackle names that everybody thought they were in on. I think the only one that the Bears really would have opened up the purse strings for was Deron Payne, but Washington yeah. franchised him and then signed him to a big deal. So that was that was off the board before it even happened. Uh, for us, there but. is. I, I will say this: polls is is holding up his end of the bargain so far. Yeah. It seems. I think a lot of this weight relies on the in-house development of this talent for the Chicago Bears because they're they're doing things in a measured manner, if you yeah. will. He's not he's not making a whole lot of knee jerk moves like, oh hey, we like we gotta we gotta have to win right now. We yeah. have to go for two first this year. He's he's looking at it. He's looking to 2024, 2025. And that's not saying that 2023 is going to be bad. It's it's just 
keeping your resources close and allowing this team to try and find some building blocks on the cheap like you're talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, he just came from Kansas City. And, yeah, and in, his, in his last... In his last, I mean, he'd been there since what, 2008, 2009, whatever it was. Yeah, he's he's, been there a minute. He's seen three different general managers do their things, varying uh, levels uh, of success. He's seen mm-hmm. a coach come in and, you know, in Andy Reid in 2013 and just kind of pick up from the number one overall pick and take it all the way to the Super Bowl, yeah. uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. While he was there, the last, you know, four seasons, they went to four straight. And not only did they go to four straight AFC championship games, they fo- they hosted yep. four straight AFC championship games. They went to the Super Bowl twice. They won once. It's like that's where Poles is coming from. So his strategy isn't that he wants the Bears to be winning in 2023. He wants to st- 2023. He wants to still be winning in 2033. Right. You know that, that, that's like, a great way to put it. That's the that's what the Chiefs have been doing. That's where he came from. That's the blueprint that he's using. With the Bears, that's what he wants to be doing. He doesn't want to do what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy did and just you know blow it all up and win in 2018, and then can't back it up the rest of the way, you know, by trading away two first round picks to get Khalil Mack and spending mm-hmm. all the money to bring in you know free agents rather than developing your own young talent uh, and everything. Poles showed us all of his cards this off season. Rather than using every penny of the most salary cap space in the league. He was very measured in who he went out and paid. He gave Tremaine Edmonds his bag, but yeah. he did not give it to McGlinchey. He did not give it to Javon Hargrave or any of the other big offensive linemen, defensive tackles that Bear fans just knew he was going to sign. He didn't. And instead, he invested in, in, in a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a third-round pick in those guys that we were supposed to go get in free agency. He wants to develop these guys and build this team for long-term success rather than have a, a 2018 flash in the pan team. You right. Know? So that's like, that, that's why you want to do it to build yeah. a winner. So, I mean, and he came from what is the, you know, has been the most successful franchise over the last six, seven years, if not longer, uh, you know, out there. And it's like, why wouldn't he just try to do that with us? He's doing his best to replicate what happened in Kansas city uh, yep. and everything. And he's hoping that that fields is his Mahomes, And if he's not, we have two first round picks next year to, you know, maybe package those up with something else to, to move up to get Caleb Williams or Derek May or something in the first round uh, next year. So he's covered either way to, yep. you know, to go forward. Is it is it going to be Fields? Are we going to be talking this this time next year about Fields getting a forty or fifty million dollar a year deal, or are we going to be talking about hitting the reset button with the quarterback at least and going up and? You know, Caleb Williams, Derek May, and, you know, whoever else the, the top quarterbacks uh, might be. We'll see. A lot, a lot of different routes yeah. that the Bears can go this year. So I, I think that's why fans should be tuning in more than anything. This, this could be a, a winner this year, or it could be, like you said, hitting the reset button. Yeah. So I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared uh, either way. Uh, I'm definitely, as a, as a fan, impatient with the level of success that we've had. Yeah. Uh, and everything, but I can definitely see, um, you know, that there's more at stake here. Or there's more going on with, with, uh, with, with polls and, and what he's trying to do. I, I kind of see the big picture. You know, yeah. it's like obviously it, it's not all laid out. Like he probably has it, and what he's 
thinking of and, and whatnot, but I can definitely see there's more to it than, like I said, he doesn't just want to win in 2023. He wants to still be winning in 2033. You know, whenever it is the Bears find themselves in a brand new stadium, he wants to bring a top level championship team into that new stadium as opposed to, you know, him probably working elsewhere because he's already lost his job and, and blew his yeah. wad in Chicago. Uh, kind of yeah. thing because he, you know, he started sweating bullets and, and made this trade or signed this guy and, you know, that that put us in a position where, you know, the future was going to be murky for us. Very true. So, well, Jacob, thanks so much uh, for coming in. Like I said, I, I every year I, I, I struggle with at least one team finding a guest and that year, this, this year that team was the Chiefs. So thank you for finally <laughs> absolving that problem. Uh, I look forward to uh, being in touch with you week three when uh, the Bears and their fan base bring their millions of dollars to to Kansas City, just like the Chiefs wanted, and uh, see how the uh, first uh, Mahomes-Fields matchup uh, ends up going in Arrowhead. I I hope it's a good one, man. So where can we keep up with you uh, online, Uh, you know, read your stuff on Arrowhead Addict and so on? Yeah, so it's uh, I'm I'm getting some more content out on Arrowhead Addict, but the team over there we have written stuff up daily, audio and video, multiple times a week. So if you do want to keep tabs on the on things from the Kansas City Chiefs side, that's a great way to go. Okay, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Milham. That's M I L H A M K C. Um, like like you're talking about Larry right now, I'm more of a Kansas City Royals guy. You know, it is it is baseball season. That is my first love. So you'll you'll find a lot of that over there. How are the Royals looking this year? Ah, oh, terrible, terrible, oh, they- Larry. <laughs> Wor- worst record in the league. Don't oh wow, no way. <laughs> <laughs> no way. But I do I do run my podcast on the Royals, so I'm I'm diehard. I sure. enjoy weather. Oh man. Well I mean I know the feeling. I've been a Bear fan my True. entire life and just True. went through a three and fourteen season uh <laughs> last year. So I, I I definitely know the uh the feeling. And you're also talking to a lifelong Cubs fan. So oh, there's gotcha. definitely yeah, so been a lot more lows. a lot more hundred lost seasons and why the hell do I root for this team, you know, kind of years and uh yep. You know, we haven't had too many 2016s where we, we run the table and win the World Series and all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, you know. Same thing with the Royals, yeah, man. Don't you worry a, about it. We're a thirsty fan base, that's for sure. It's like we're definitely hungry for the wins that we do get. So I I, 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 it, I understand the struggle. You're a fellow sufferer uh, <laughs> when it comes to your baseball team. So, But, uh, Jacob, I appreciate you coming on, man. We look forward to uh, talking to you in preparation for uh, – Week three, when I'm sure that the, the the you know the Royals will be out of their misery at that point. Uh, Hopefully so, uh, man. Yeah. Hopefully so. But yeah, <laughs> thank you so much, Larry, for for having me on. It was it was great talking with you, and I can't wait till week three. All right. As always, want to thank uh, Jacob Milham for for being our savior and coming on the show, and also in turn want to thank Matt Connor from Arrowhead Addict for hooking us up so we could have a Chiefs guest uh, for this episode. And uh, you know, happy that we were able to get it in the can and get it done on time so that we can stick with the uh, number one, stay with the schedule, and uh, you know, move on, uh, you know, uh, accordingly. So we we close the book on our AFC West. Uh, opponents and uh, we look forward to having uh, Jacob back to preview week three when the Chiefs and the Bears get together in Arrowhead uh, for what will probably be the game of the week uh, that week 
on Fox. And, um, you know, it, uh, the Chiefs are going to be an interesting team. I mean, they, they, they're basically kind of like the Patriots of this era where they're the ones that just kind of easily run the table in their division. And then, you know, the worst that they've done the last five seasons is make it to the AFC Championship game and quite also hosted the AFC Championship game. That is the worst the Chiefs have done in the last five seasons. So, um, you know, we'll see if they can continue the string uh, there, if they're going to be a contender for another Lombardi. Uh, will they have a right to say so in the AFC once again uh, this season? Or will Buffalo or the Bengals or somebody else uh, emerge as the team to beat in the AFC this year? So, But that's going to do it for our AFC West opponents. We now move on to the NFC South and upcoming on Thursday. Our good friend Rashad Beard from the Panther Nation podcast will join us to preview these Carolina Panthers and obviously we have a lot to talk about right off the bat uh, with with Rashad and his Panthers and um, talk to him a little bit about any regrets about the 2021 draft when they could have gotten Justin Fields for free, uh, I believe at number eight uh, in the first round, as opposed to having to give up a King's ransom to make a trade with us to get Bryce Young at number one uh, and things like that. You know, hindsight being 2020. As you hear Rashad say, you know, on, on Thursday, he's not much for looking back. He's always about, you know, moving forward, you know, as, as, as it is. It's not a bad thing, uh, not a bad way of, uh, of, of looking at things. The whole everything happens for a reason uh, philosophy. I, I subscribe to that one as well. But um, it's a fun conversation talking to him about, uh, you know, Bryce Young, how he's excited about them and, and uh, how that, uh, that pick that uh, we're, we, we, we have from Carolina in the first round next year might not end up being as high as we want it to be because the Panthers on paper look like they're going to be okay this year. Maybe not winning the division or winning a ton of football games, but definitely going to, you know, put a put a, you know, a screw in the plans to to have a top 5 pick uh, for the Bears if we ourselves don't make ourselves a top 5 pick team this year. So, knock on wood as far as that goes. But anyway, we'll we'll have Rashad on the show on Thursday to get the NFC South uh, kicked off with the Carolina Panthers. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.